With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pour one more beer for me. Exile needs quality. So savagely. Best beer in all the land. Brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can. Exile Brewing. E-X-I-L-E. For me. E-X-I-L-E. Let's drink. Crack open a Ruthie today. Enjoy your podcast Miller and Dace going to talk about Iowa's win over over Minnesota 17-10 in this installment of the HN podcast thank you to Heartland Flag Poles and Flags and of course Exile Brewing Company this podcast coming to you from the Exile Brewing Company studios 17-10 Iowa Steve same score as their last game against Minnesota a year ago 17-10 Iowa has been in three football games thus far this year that have come with a final score of 17-10 tells me we're talking about a team that's playing pretty salty defense and a team that's got pretty rough offense and that's just who and what they are that's it i mean i think you just nailed it thanks for listening back next week i mean (laughs) i bet you if you just took last week's podcast and took out any reference to the specific opponent no one would know the difference maybe we should just start recording one with pauses instead of teams, and that way I can edit them in in post-production. Well, since you pay me to come up with fresh angles to kill airtime, uh-huh. let me go. Let me let me come up with one. Thank you. You're really not wearing gray uniforms Saturday, are you? I sure as heck hope we're not. Can you tell me seriously? All kidding about me being the self-appointed college football uniforms are aside. What the hell is this fascination with gray? You know, we're in the process of tearing down every Confederate memento in America, but yet we're dressing all of our college football players like Confederate soldiers on Saturday. What the hell is this? Hmm. You know, hmm. Have you sent that memo to any of your uh, buddies in the media that get excited about these things? Because you might have just... We have the uh, the knee controversy in the NFL. We can right. have the Confederate Gray controversy in college football. I mean, I don't like if it's your school colors. Like Ohio State going all scarlet or all gray to me is like Michigan going all maize. That's an official color. Illinois looked like a ashtray, which is a that, that's a that's a metaphor alert. By the way, Butch Jones waving a trash can on the sidelines to rally his team called. And said Illinois shouldn't look like an ashtray on a college football Saturday. Okay? What the hell is this gray thing? You know, kids I, are dying their head hairs hair gray. As a middle aged guy fighting gray, can I just tell a generation that doesn't want to grow up, gray's not all it's cracked up to be, man. Enjoy your pretty bold colors while you have them. I don't get this. And I'm going totally get off my lawn, guy. This is just, it's a dreadful trend. And it has to stop. Someone needs to stop this. This is the ninth ring of hell are these gray uniforms. They have to stop, John. 
have to. Yeah. And I'm ca- calling on Kirk Ferentz's stodginess for the first time in my career. Please don't let me down. Come through for me. Do not dare wear freaking gray uniforms when you're playing Ohio State. What the hell? It, that's a double abomination. That's like handing you deserve out. deserve a 50 to nothing loss just for going there, if you ask me. Yeah, that would be like red pom-poms against Wisconsin. Yes, that actually happened, by the way, for our younger listeners that don't know if John just made that up. We did a whole radio <laughs> show on that once. Okay, that did actually happen. They handed out red pom-poms. What did Wisconsin win that game? Like 31 nothing or something, if I recall? No, it was, it, that was actually the Bielema fake uh, field goal. So it was like 30. Oh, yes. Yeah. So that's even worse than losing 38 nothing. Yeah. It is. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just hoping they bring the black ones out like they wore against Minnesota a couple years ago. And that just. Those were sweet. And that is yeah. just their official alternative uniform that the guys look forward to wearing every year. That's That was a really cool uniform. And I could see Kirk actually doing that. You know, Illinois. Were, were Illinois and Ohio State's uniforms nearly identical? Yes. That's horrible. Illinois that, that's Nike, were to yeah. honor Red Grange, the Gray Ghost, who's actually not the Gray Ghost. He was the Galloping Ghost, was his primary nickname. And this guy last played 100 years ago. Come on, man. He doesn't care about honors like that anymore. Seriously. No, he's the walking dead, dude. He, he, is, he, he is a ghost. <laughs> I just, I, when I saw, I, at first I thought Hassel was trolling us on Twitter. No way this could be true. There is simply no way. Ference, by golly, this is the one time the, the, the universe needs your stodginess now more than ever. Dig in your heels, sir, and draw a line, please. A, a nation turns its lonely eyes to you. No doubt. If we can't count on Kirk Ferentz to stop a dumbass trend, then there's no hope. Yeah, I think I think you can count on that. Um, I had a buddy of mine who uh, lives in over near you know Peoria, Illinois, and uh, I was texting with him, and he said that his seven-year-old son, who does watch the Illini football games, he said, "Hey, Dad, maybe they're wearing these orange uniforms so they can maybe win a football game." That's like the, through the eye of a child's mind. Of course, kids believe in things like that. It, it was it was horrible. More on the Illinois game against Wisconsin in our next episode of the podcast. Um, you know, I, after I thought of the Iowa-Minnesota game a little bit longer, again, as we are in this season of... I don't. I'm not going to do another podcast on this. Just like I told you in the instant reaction last night, we are in a season of. Uh, if you don't like the word rebuilding, I'm sorry. Pick out a different word that that describes, you know, getting ready for another couple of year run, like I think they're doing. I think Nate Stanley probably played one of his better games of the season uh, against Minnesota. He was 15 of 27 for 190 yards. Um, he threw a 50 yard in stride pass in a bucket to the fastest receiver on the team and it hit him in the face mask and it was intercepted if he would have caught the ball as he should have it would have been a 95 yard touchdown pass so there's Mm -hmm. 95 more yards so we're up to 285 now he had at least four other drops that would have added up to another 50 yards so he would have had two touchdowns and and no interceptions um, in this game and he made he did some things with his feet he got out of some some trouble in the pocket. 
he continues to really impress the heck out of me. He, he's already exceeded my expectations of what I thought that he would do and the type of play Iowa would get from that position this season. He's um, 17 touchdowns to four interceptions, uh, 212 yards a game. His efficiency rating is 141. I, I'm, I remain very impressed by him. And, you know, I think that continues the trend of what we've seen in, in the Ferentz era of they're really good at developing new quarterbacks um, to play in their first year and to play at anywhere from an efficient to effective level. And I think those stats bear that out. And I think what what you're seeing with Iowa is, I mean, Tavian Banks and, and Tim Dwight, those were some explosive players, right? Yep. Yeah, Iowa went seven and five the last year they had those two guys together. Okay. So here's why I bring that up. I think, you know, and and I'm feeling some I'm feeling more camaraderie with Iowa in the last couple of years. That dreadful loss last November notwithstanding. I'm feeling more camaraderie with Iowa. And it's not just having lived here for so long and having now 20 years I've lived in Iowa and having so many friends and family members are Iowa fans. But it's it's essentially watching Michigan and Iowa are essentially the last two remaining pro-style holdouts in the Big Ten, for lack. I mean, Michigan State kind of does it, but even the workies more of an RPO pistol quarterback hmm. now. And and so I'm I'm feeling I'm I'm feeling some symbiotic simpatico here a little bromance the, yeah, a little bit a little bit I'm, I'm feeling some empathy for hawk fans that maybe i've never felt before and i i doubt will be returned but um when you are a pro style system the 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 cycle up portion of the cycle i i think it's it's more taxing on fans than when you run more of a spread system and, and I think I've, I'm a pretty good gauge on this because I've been on both sides of this extreme now as a Michigan guy, right? We, we went to this with the – we brought in the originator of this offense, the guy who taught it to Urban Meyer Rich Ro- and, and spread it around college football and Rich Rodriguez. And, and now we're going to the guy who's considered the Svengali of the, you know, of, of the pro style and Jim Harbaugh. So I've seen both pendul- sides of this pendulum. There were some, some bad Michigan teams that on any given play, you didn't know if Denard Robinson was going to the house or not. Running backs that Michigan had in those eras, names I know that our listeners don't because they, they really weren't great players. Fitzgerald Toussaint, Carlo Bra- Carlos Brown, Brandon Miner. Those were guys that nondescript Big Ten running backs, but on any given play, they could house somebody. Now, I bring that up because... When when you run a pro style offense and you're in the cycle up portion of your of your phase of of, of your phase, it, you know it is tougher. One of the one of the advantages of playing the pro style offense is I think I saw a stat the other night that Michigan and Iowa since 1999 have played in in or two of the teams that have played in the top seven or eight percentages of games decided by one possession or less going mm-hmm. back 20 years now. Mm-hmm. And the, the beauty of a pro-style system is you're, it's really hard unless the other team just is physically dominant over you for a game to get away from you in many cases. Mm-hmm. 
And and so what this does is it gives a team when you're cycling up like Iowa is right now. It gives Iowa a chance to hold a Penn State at bay when athlete for athlete they're not as good. Right. On the other hand, when you're when you're in this pro style offense and you're doing the cycle up it makes one thing Michigan didn't do when Rich Rod and those guys were here. We blew team. We blew. We blew teams worse than us. We blew them out. I mean, just ran them off the field. That's where Denard Robinson was your Heisman Trophy winner every September. That you used to rag me about. Remember that? Okay. Mm-hmm. It's when we got into the, we got into starting playing teams like Iowa that were more physical. You saw Denard's numbers just freeze. But early in the year, man, against scrub teams, it was video game numbers. We were hitting the circle button every Saturday for three and a half hours. Now, when you're playing a pro-style offense, though, just as in your cycle up, it, it mitigates because it slows the game down. It makes it more of a slugfest, makes it more of a war in the trenches, that it makes it harder for the team than unless they can do- – because even though Penn State physically is vastly superior to Iowa in terms of athletic athleticism, in the line, in the trenches, Iowa actually matches up pretty well with Penn State, and in some places is better than Penn State is. So that slowed the game down. But when you're playing a team like on Saturday night, and if you if you don't have the efficiency and execution level there, then what's going to happen is you're going to let teams like that hang around longer than they probably should, and that's the reverse. Yep, no question. That cycle. Yep. And that's what and that's what's so frustrating for Iowa fans right now. And I get it because I'm going through it with my own fan. We actually had the first game on Saturday where we physically dominated a team and didn't make a whole bunch of mistakes in the process. And an Iowa fan has not really had a game this year, even in games they've won, where you've been able to just sit back, hey, let's watch, let's watch, you know, Doran Young run the ball ten times. Illinois, the one exception. But even the Illinois game, for about two and a half quarters, you were sweating that one out. Okay, so there hasn't really been that game this year for Iowa fan, North Texas. You're sweating that one out where you're sitting back thinking maybe the most enjoyable game then was Wyoming. A lot of people were picking that as an upset. And from the very and you didn't know what you had yet in Nathan Stanley. And from the get go, Iowa controlled the line of scrimmage. And that was probably the last time Iowa fan can say they really enjoyed a game. Not that they enjoyed the result or they're glad we survived, but that they really enjoyed a game. And that's taxing on a fan base, John. It is. And, and that's kind of Steve. And it's okay. I will forgive you for not listening to my instant reaction podcast. Um, but that's kind of what I started last night's instant reaction podcast with is the gist is, you know, football is about a few things for coaches. It's about one thing winning. For fans, it's about winning, but having a good time and being entertained. And if you watch at home, you're giving up three, four hours. You're making a commitment to watch that game. You want to see your team win, but you'd like to be entertained by it and enjoy it. If you go to the games and you're spending the money to get there and you're spending seven, eight, nine, ten hours and who knows how many hundreds of dollars you're spending, you want to be entertained and you want to see them win. And this season... It hasn't been all that entertaining the last month, month and a half. The offense hasn't been there. So no question about it. And during these cycle up years, this happens. And also during years when um, I was good, like you mentioned, you the style of play they have hangs in there. So I get it. There was some apathy in that game on Saturday night. And there was 
times there was a time late in the game where Iowa gained eight yards on a first down play to Nick Easley, I don't know that I heard a cheer come through the television. Hmm. Um, there were a few smattering of boos, but it wasn't horrible. It wasn't like, you know, Michigan, Iowa, 2001 esque where Iowa fans were, you know, booing as they went off the field in halftime because Kirk didn't play Brad Banks. Hey, I want to break into this with some breaking news and I want to get your reaction live on a recorded podcast. But as we do it, I just sent you an email. Okay. Okay. I sent you an email. Iowa has released a video that shows their alternative uniforms. Most people listening to this right now have probably seen it. So let's get your reaction to the video and the uniforms as you watch it and describe what you see because they tease it, they show the helmet, they show some numbers. So why don't you watch it and tell us what you see as you're seeing it. All right, so I'm taking a look at this right now. No. 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 What do you see? Uh, I, I, I see gray. <laughs> Let it finish. Let it finish. The helmets look like half gray and half black. The numbers on the helmet look pretty sweet, actually. So it's a black, black uniform, black pants with yellow highlights, but there's the gray numbers. Why? Why? I'll tell you. I'll wearing, tell you. I'll tell you why right now. I don't know the answer. Why are you wearing the opposing team's color? I'm going to give John? you. I'm going to give. I'm going to get my whole rant about gray. Forget about it for just a second. Can you tell me why you're wearing the opposing team's colors, John? That's all I'm asking. Why? I'll tell you why. Because Nike's pushing the, the gray, the gray uniform thing this year, and I was a Nike school. Okay. Is this your last home game of the year? Um, no. Okay, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, okay, do you have like Twitter open? I, I can't open it. Okay, open up Twitter. I just retweeted Brian Ray. He is a photographer with Iowa. He's a, uh, with HawkeyeSports.com. And you get a better look at the uniforms. I don't think they're horrible. The gray is used as an accent color. It's mostly black. With gray being the the primary color of the numbers with gold outline and a little gray on the Don, sleeves. Don, they look like the alternative num- the uniforms I've seen Ohio State wear before. Yeah. You're wearing the other team's uniform, John. I mean, John, why, why, did, why did Iowa invent the blackout against Michigan? Well, for one. it look kind of dumb to wear gold when that looks like... That's Michigan's color. No, actually, actually, they didn't go with gold that time of the year because most fans' cold weather gear is black. I actually asked that question. Okay. All right. It's okay. Then throw that out and just tell me, I'm, I'm asking again, why are you wearing your opposing team's uniforms? Why are you wearing their color? Help me understand that. Yeah. I like I said before. I just as soon see them wear the all blacks with the gold letters, and, and just do that every year. But I'm I'm 46. I'm trying not to be the angry old man on the porch. You don't wear the opposing <laughs> team's colors. How old? How old do you? Have? Is that where we are now? 
Then you know what? Then then you know what? Next year I want Nike. To, Nike's alternative jersey next year, snowflake. Every school wears snowflake jerseys. Every school. That's apparently what we are now. What would snowflake school, jersey looks like? Tell me. Just a snow. Every just a snowflake. It, it's a melting white. It's a melting white, and and, With a little and, and it's, lo- its logo. Its logo is a kneeling player. That's its logo. Melting white, kneeling player. And then when you ask him, what are they kneeling to fight injustice? Which injustice? Uh, just injustice in general. Which injustice are you suffering while making two and a half million a year? Uh, it's a terrible world, man. Indeed, it sucks. Punish me thusly. These uniforms are an abomination. It's terrible coloring, and you're wearing the opposing team's uniform. I don't understand. Why you are wearing? Boy, that's gonna send Ohio State a message. You're right. That'll just boy. Nothing will intimidate the Buckeye. Listen, if I'm an expert on any damn thing on this planet, it's losing to Ohio State. I'm a freaking Jedi Master at it, John. <laughs> I know all about losing to them. Nobody knows more about losing to Ohio State on planet Earth than I do. I can promise you that. And no, no message is sent to them by, hey man, we're wearing your colors, bro. Okay. Thanks. It makes no sense. Why are you wearing their colors? Yeah, I, I just assume not have the gray, but I don't know. I don't know that I have a hot take on this one, one way or another. But that's I got a score. I got a scorching one. That's terrible. <laughs> that's terrible. And everybody's fired. Everybody's fired. I, 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 we're wearing the other school's colors. The, the biggest part of this I don't like is, is you related. And that is the fact that I, it hurts me that Kirk let you down. It hurts. You thought of anybody that you could count on. No it, doubt. It'd be Kirk. If I thought anybody would dig in their heels and provide some, some uh, seasoned citizen sanity. It would be Kirk Ferris. But alas, we've all gone nuts now. The gray thing has jumped the shark when you're wearing the other school's colors. I, I, I don't even know what to say to that. Well, I tweeted out asking people what they thought. Here are some quick replies. They're awesome. Best alts ever. Usually I'm underwhelmed, not this time. Sick. Yeah, that's what all the Florida fans said, too. Uh, my personal favorites of all the Iowa Alt, smoking, way better than two years ago, all black ones. I think they're great. Absolutely the best Alt uniforms they've worn hands down. They finally got it right. Um, meh, yellow helmets, Black Hawk got my attention. Yep, nope, they're sweet. Yes, yes, yes. So I would say the yays outweigh the nays, but it's early, and they haven't listened to you yet, and you might sway a few people. So, Yep. Florida fans were, were just they – were, they, were, they were lit over – Oh, look at you with the, with the, with the kitty nomenclature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's where we're at now. So I just have to tell you, man – I've stood by and defended Kirk Ferentz against his kid getting Section 8 housing, fake drug scandals. I'm out now. I'm out. At this point, I'm out. This, I'm is, out. this, this is it. This is the Rubicon. Yeah, this, is, this just goes to show you've just lost your whole brand. 
as I, I, I just, mean, if they've lost days, if they if if Kirk Ferentz has lost days, he's lost Middle America. That's it's what LBJ said about Vietnam. He knew when he lost Walter Cronkite, he lost the country. That's right. I'm out. I just tapped out, man. I'm. I'm uh, this is my tap out moment, and. I'm never telling that story about the pep talk that he gave me years ago that I've told 25,000 times now. Never telling it again. I'm out. Well, that seems Only like out. that's going a little too far. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm devastated. Amer- we needed an Archie Bunker moment right now. We needed one. And he let me down. Frankly. And you thought of all people you could count on to be Archie if Bunker, I could count it'd be on Kirk. Anybody, anybody at all to be, to, to, to hold, to, to to hold Mr. If I, if I, anybody could be Mr. Cranky, anybody. <laughs> sports have been in the news lately and not necessarily because of the outcome of the game. Truth is, sports have always been about more than the game. Playing sports was the first time many of us ever learned what it was like to work as a team or the first time we unlocked that competitive spirit. Listening to and watching sports triggered our imagination of what it'd be like to be a part of the starting lineup, playing alongside our heroes, or we made memories with our dad, siblings, and friends. Being a fan is special. It's a bond you have, not just with the people you watch with, but with the team you follow, too. So when you fly that team's flag on Saturdays or Sundays or walk by the wall banner in your basement or office or see another flag flying around town of your team's rival, we know it's more than just a flag. It's an emotion. It's a memory. It's your fan manifested and if you don't have a flag to fly well let us help you with that heartland flagpoles and flags has nearly every flag from every team from every sport if you're in central iowa shop our store at 3719 southwest 9th in des moines or shop us anywhere in the world heartlandflags.com hey by the way minnesota what what do you think what do you think of pj fleck um i I think he's he's dealing the hand that he had it wasn't a great hand. Mm-hmm. I, I like the fact that he's trying to go power. He, he doesn't have a passing game. I mean, that's that's maybe the most one-dimensional team in the Big Ten. Yeah, I think one of the things that is a misnomer about him because of his flamboyant personality is he's an old-school football guy. He's a trestle disciple. So he's a power spread guy. Um, that's his style of play. So I, I think – you know, we saw in the summertime that really the of, of all the schools that the BTN crew visited, the only school where they went out of their way to temper expectations was Minnesota, right? And we noted that at the time, remember. We talked about that after having watched all 14. The only one that at the end they were kind of like, yeah, we're not seeing it, was Minnesota. All right, so I think we've, we're seeing those results when you looked at their schedule it was very backlogged or loaded all along so they needed to get off to a good start um you know i i thought i think i had them finishing seven and five but i think i had them having six wins right now and not four because i i had them essentially going winless the last month of the season or thereabouts their schedule down the stretch is really tough i think it's going to be hard for them to get to a bowl game I think back-to-back night games on the road, uh, you know, for a team that's, except for their inside defensive tackles who have some good size, the rest of their team's pretty diminutive. And so, you know, for the Big Ten to have them on the road in back-to-back rivalry games for them at night against, you know, arguably, other than Ohio State, the two most physical teams in the conference in Iowa and Michigan, I worry about how that might beat them up for the rest of the year 
for some some games that might be a little bit more winnable. So um, I like his personality. I like his story. You know, there's substance to it. Um, I like the fact that, uh, you know, what I, what I mean by substance to it, you know, the guy went through a, a moral failure in his life that led to a divorce, which he's open about. He lost one of his kids, um, you know, died as he had lost a child. He's open about that. So this is not some, you know, inspirational book that a guy born on third and credited with a triple read when he was 21 and is carrying it over. He's, you know, he's moved up the tracks pretty quickly, but he's been on, as you like to call, he's been on the dirt road. He started as a nobody. He just outworks people. Uh, you know, um, I think, I think it'll be feast or famine. I think he'll take them to a big 10 championship game. Or he'll be compared unfavorably to guy to somebody like Tim Brewster. I, I don't think it'll be a six or seven win, you know, thing. I, I think that, you know, I don't think it'll be Jerry Kill. I, I think he'll take them even beyond what Glenn, where Glenn Mason could get them to, or he'll flame out spectacularly. But um, I think it's the right time for a school like Minnesota to make that move. They've got the stadium. They're putting in a fantastic um, athletic uh, resource facility as we speak. That division, what it really, you know, Nebraska is going through another transition, and we'll get into the next podcast, I'm sure, that it may not be as simple for them to land Scott Frost as they thought two or three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. That may not be as automatic as they thought. Uh, so you have no, you have the big brand is Nebraska, but it's a brand in decline. Wisconsin's a big brand, but it's a big brand that doesn't have a lot of personality. Iowa's a brand, also a brand that doesn't have a lot of personality. There's room in that division to be the personality. And he can he can take that and own that space because even Jeff Brom's not Mr. Personality. He has more of an he's his personality is much more Ference esque than it is um, uh, than it is. Uh, PJ Fleck, so he can he can capture the imagination there, if he can be as successful on the field as he was at Western, and I think that's the other thing too. When you compare him to Tim Brewster, you know Tim Brewster was a tight ends coach in the NFL. He'd never been a head coach. I'm very aware, having grown up in West Michigan, I'm very aware of what the history of Western Michigan football is, and there is no history. They had a quarterback, a, a multi-threat quarterback, who was, a, who was a poor man's Major Harris in the late 80s, whose last name was Kimbrough. And that was back in the days when the, you know, the, the team in the Fresno State Conference and the, and the winner of the MAC played each other in the California Raisin Bowl every year. And they won the league one time. And that's essentially all of Western Michigan's football history. They have been a, they have been a doormat in the MAC for decades. He took them from winless to undefeated. He built that. That's something Tim Brewster never did. So I know we, we've seen a flamboyant personality at Minnesota before, but this one has a resume. This one has done stuff. And so I, I think that's why I, I, I would not underestimate him. But I also think, you know, when you're taking over a program that your first year is going to go from nine wins to maybe five, you know, you may not have as much patience that you, as you had in Kalamazoo either. Indeed. Um, there was one more topic here that I want to, Oh, I know what it was. Ohio state. Uh, I was next opponent of Ohio state. I think they've opened Ohio state. That is somewhere between 15 to a 17 point favorite. And you made a point last week to bring something up that, 
maybe repeat it again if folks didn't listen to the Thursday prediction podcast when you were concerned for Ohio State's chances against Penn State is if Mm -hmm. they came out and played Penn State in man to man that would be Mm -hmm. that would be a bad decision and you think that a zone defense is a better approach against JT Barrett based on your observations of JT Barrett than man to man and Iowa likely will play a lot of two shell you know Tampa two zone in this game does that give them a puncher's chance well actually i said that about penn state that my concern was that ohio state would play like my they fault. did early yeah. on against indiana and having not and having not watched the michigan film that um and i get why michigan does what they do michigan does what they do similar to what iowa does there's very few quarterbacks in college football that can make a living dropping that ball in on those deep fade routes consistently, just as there's very few quarterbacks in college football that can make a living making throwing that intermediate route, you know, up the seam that Iowa gives you, which is more of a pro throw. Trace McSorley's one of those guys, and what you saw in the first half is Ohio State came out. Apparently, they didn't watch the Michigan film. They came out and they went man all over the field, and they got obliterated doing that. All right, they switched. They switched their defense in the second half. They said, "Hey, why did we go recruit Nick Bosa and and Sam Hubbard and all these four five star guys?" And then you know, Greg Schiano saying it's a better defensive line than he had at the T- Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, then let's let them do their work, and we're going to make Trace Mc- and Trace McSorley and Penn State patiently move the ball down the field, and we think eventually our athletes, the more plays we make them run. The more, the more likelihood that our athletes will get the better of them. And it took a while, but it ultimately that's what happened. And then you saw the very last two drives Penn State tried to mount offensively. Their offensive line could not block Penn, Ohio State's front four on any kind of a stunt action at all. So I was really applying that more to the way to play against um, Penn State. What I think will be fascinating here for, for, for Iowa is – what is is I think if if they go man to man across the board, and if meaning Ohio State against Iowa, Ohio State does yes, yes. and if Akram Wadley is not a hundred percent, I didn't say healthy, I mean a hundred percent, and able to make and blow some coverages coming out of the backfield, my fear is that could get really ugly, really quick. Really quick, like that—that's what I'm afraid of. I think they're going to play man-to-man. So I think so. I think it's the exact opposite. I, I think Penn State's skill position athletes are so good, John. It might be the best collection of skill position athletes on any college football team this season. There's, they are so elite at the skill positions that you can win at the line of scrimmage and still lose, because if you don't get home almost on a continuous basis, you just can't guard them it's it's the team in college basketball in march with the great hot point guard and the six seven center you know what i'm saying we've seen that story a million times because who gets the ball more your all-american seven foot center or any point guard the point guard does and that is a that is a great equalizer iowa does not bring that skill position talent to the table with one exception and that is wadley and what they what they have got to hope they can do is force ohio state when they get him in the red zone, is to force JT Barrett to then throw the ball into some tight windows against the, against that zone coverage, make some of those pro throws, 
in that shell zone, force some field goals with the hope that Akram Wadley can hit a home run or two when Ohio State's you know backs are turned as they're pressuring the quarterback. But if he's not 100% healthy, you know, I was very confident going into the Penn State game that I thought Iowa could even win because I thought they were dramatically better at the line of scrimmage, and they were. And just at the end, Penn State skill guys made one more play. This is a game where Ohio State has the advantage both at the line of scrimmage and also at the skill positions. I, I don't know. And this isn't, you know, I, I know it's similar to the, what happened last year. Michigan number two, three in the country. See, I was going to bring that up because I, I don't think it's similar. But it's, I was just going to say it's not similar, and here's why. Wilton Spate was only making his second road start, and it was his first one in a truly hostile environment. Because when we played Sparty a few weeks back, half that stadium was Michigan fans, and it was an 11 a.m. game. Spartan fans had kind of already given up by that point. This, this is nothing new to JT Barrett. This is not his first. He has seen everything. So it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't matter what color uniforms Iowa wears, whether they come out there shirtless. Not that's not going to face him at all. And so I, I think Ohio State's going to have to really be flat. I, I think if if Iowa's not at least plus three in turnovers. I think this game will be a difficult one for the Hawkeyes. Yeah, I, I think that the narrative is going to be tried. The, a narrative is going to be passed along or attempted to be passed along all week. Well, didn't think Iowa had much of a chance last year against Michigan, and look what happened. But Michigan did not mm-hmm. have the multiple ways to beat Iowa the way that I think this Ohio State team does. I don't see a place on the field that Iowa has – a schematic advantage. I saw that against Penn State. I don't see that here. And I'd like to be wrong. I mean, I'm, I found myself, even though it would essentially end the Big Ten East battle, I found myself actually rooting for Penn State at the end. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm sick of it now. I'm just sick of it. Sick of it. All right? It's taken a while for me to truly hate Ohio State again. I'm getting there. Okay? So I'd love, I'd love for you guys to beat them. But where I saw a path against Penn State without them having a meltdown, I don't see a path here on Saturday without them having a meltdown. I tend to agree. I tend to agree. I think this is a pretty tough task for Iowa. Uh, We'll talk more about that on Thursday in our uh, prediction podcast. For now, we'll put a stop to this one. Come back again here tomorrow and talk about the weekend that was in the Big Ten. A little more on Ohio State, Penn State, uh, and other games that took place. For Steve, I'm John. We'll talk to you soon.